For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Come On You Spurs podcast. My name's Dan Tracy and I'll be your host for the next 45 minutes or so as we talk all things Tottenham. Because win or lose, we'll discuss the news. It's three up top this evening, and that means leading the line from the front wearing the captain's armband is Carl. So, Carl, how have things been this past week? Yeah, really good, thanks, Dan. You know, we had a, a Spurs win, so that always cheers everyone up. A Harry Kane goal. Um, so, life's a little bit rosy this week, mate. It is, yeah. We're sort of getting a smile back in our collective faces. I'm sure we might be able to get rid of that coming into this episode because we've got plenty to talk about. And that means also joining us is James. So James, you're up to full fitness. I hope you've been well and looking forward to this one. Yes, mate, all good. Uh, can't wait to, to talk Tottenham again. Top man. And also, we've rotated the squad, and this week, joining us once again, is Holly. So, Holly, a pleasure as always. How have things been since we last spoke? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. Like we said, that win and also a clean sheet. I think that's something else to point out as well. So, yeah, I'm all good. Yes, we'll talk about the clean sheet in just a moment. Before we do, let's get the social media bits out of the way so we can dissect last Tuesday and more in full. As always, don't forget to subscribe to the Coming Spurs app where the podcast is available each and every Tuesday morning. You can, of course, follow us across social media. We're on Twitter at C-O-Y-S underscore C-O-M. We're also on all the major audio platforms, Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, you name it, we're on there. And if we're not on one, let us know. We'll get it on there as well. Right, let's get down to business. And that business takes us to four points from the first six restart points on offer. I guess, Carl, if you were to mark your report card from those two showings, You'd have to say solid, but not necessarily spectacular. Yeah, I think you, you're quite right. You know, if you was offered four points from those first two games with United being one of those games, you'd probably go, yeah, OK, we'll take that. Um, I think, as you say, looking back on both performances, you'd probably say, you know, the United game, you know, the first half was OK. The second half for me was dreadful, um, where the West Ham game, we really controlled that from the start to the finish. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, we haven't looked bang on point yet, but I think that's to be expected with just your first games back and players picking up the pace again, getting used to everything. Um, so that's just hope, as Holly said, you know, that win against West Ham, goal for Harry, clean sheet for the defence, um, that can now help build that momentum as we go into the Sheffield United game. Because I do think this game's a real key game for us because this is one of those games where you're sitting there going, right, Sheffield United have been dreadful since the restart has happened. So you're sitting there looking at them thinking, well, there's nothing to fear in theory from how they're playing. But we all know if we don't turn up here and put a performance in and get beat, then I think, again, question marks come over around, well, actually, where are we going? Where's the team going this season? Um, and I think that could knock everyone back again, you know, those, that one step forward, two back. Um, so I think we just need to, to see that those first two games get us ready for this third one and we can be a little bit more fluid when we when we play Sheffield United this week. Yeah, you'd like to think that the first two showings will set us up nicely for Thursday. With that said, that's not going to be a given with the form that, although United are in a bad run post-restart, there's almost a sense of Europa League playoff knockout, really. The loser of that, their hopes are ended. That said, James, admittedly West Ham didn't offer too much, but as Cole said, a clean sheet is nice. It's nice to sort of have that without the worries, and that will build momentum going into later in the week. Yeah, definitely. You can only beat what's in front of you. Um, Carl's absolutely right saying about the Man United game. 
Um, and and this was a game that we we were always looking to get three points in. Um, and hopefully it's a, it's a good chance to build a bit of momentum. Um, if we do get the win against Sheffield, you can start looking at it as as three games unbeaten. Um, so it, it, it's a really good opportunity playing against the Sheffield team, who, uh, as everyone said, they've they've been pretty poor since the since the restart. Uh, we've had quite a long rest as well, whereas they were pushed to the wire against Arsenal. Um, so you know, a few injuries in that squad, a few tired legs, um, and and confidence low. But uh, Doctor Tottenham is is here to 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 change that. I'm sure. Oh, he's certainly on call and waiting. Don't worry about that. But Holly, that shutout comes courtesy of a centre back pairing, which sees Eric Dyer and Davinson Sanchez working side by side. Two games in a row now. Admittedly, a small sample to analyse, but if we're going to do that, what's been your take of those two? And more importantly, do you think that partnership is geared towards being first choice for next season? And if so, what role does Toby Alderweireld play? Yeah, I agree. I think at the moment it's a work in progress. Like we said, they both have mistakes in them. But I've always said that I think looking at it, Dyer is definitely a centre-back more than a CDM. I think Jose's kind of pushed him into that role now to see him next to Sanchez. I think it's quite nice. Like I say, I, w- I would prefer to see Toby in there, but I think he is trying to set something up for next season. Like I say, maybe trying to push on for top four and, and top five, hopefully if that Man City thing falls through where they won't be in UCL next season, that he's thinking to himself, OK, I don't know where we're going to push on and reach that now. Maybe we've got to look ahead for next season and really try and step up a gear. So, yeah, I'm, I've been impressed with them, to be fair, it's especially Dyer. Like I said, CDM role, no for me. But with Sanchez, he's, he's actually proven me wrong in a, in a sense that I had my doubts about him. Yes, he's got mistakes, like I've said already, but he's pushing on. And this whole Toby thing, maybe it'll be used as rotation or maybe, like I said, this is trial and error at the moment. And Toby still has a place in the first team on that starting eleven. So, yeah, I think it's definitely a work in progress and I don't think it's cemented just yet. I think the way you can look at it is the fact that we've now got, what, seven more games to go. There is still something to play for in the sense that it could be Europa League, it could even be Champions League at a real stretch. So the fact we picked up four points with that partnership bodes well. If we do then sort of collapse, then think, actually, well, let's not chuck the baby out of the bathwater. Let's keep going with this partnership and see what fruit it can bear next season. And it could be that that's the partnership which serves you even better in the long term, Carl. Because obviously Toby's legs aren't going to last forever so this one could be viewed sort of stink more in the future yeah definitely I think you know we we all knew and and this season kind of really highlighted didn't it that Jan and Toby um were kind of coming to the end of of their their time as such as top quality centre halves you know they still could do a really good job but I think we've seen on a new number of occasions this season, if you put anything, you know, anyone with half an amount of pace up against them and they're really struggling. Um, and, and, you know, you do have to suddenly look to the future. As much as we love these guys, there is a point where you've got to say, well, they're coming to the end. We now might need to use them more sporadically throughout the season. You know, I think Toby's probably got more to offer at the moment than Yan with his passing, because I still think, you know, you can miss that when you don't have Toby in the side. You know, those long raking passes that he can do um, can suddenly put you on the back foot, suddenly to the front foot, you know, very quickly. Um, so I think we'll see more of Toby as, as time goes on. Um, and he'll just be used. But, yeah, you've got to look for another partnership. I think, as Holly said it quite right, I'm much happier seeing Dyer 
play as a centre half than a, a defensive midfielder because I don't think he's got the mobility the, the mobility to play that role um, anymore. Babinson, you know, he's coming along, isn't he? Still young, but always has that you know opportunity of a mistake in him. I think the worrying bit you have there is you know that right hand side. If you've got Sanchez and Aurier playing together, you kind of feel that teams could look at that as the side to try and attack and get at because both of those can you know Aurier can be caught out of position or you know suddenly have a you know, brain fart where he does something really stupid in a easy position to clear the ball like against United and West Ham but it you know you've got to try something new and you have got to look to the future at some point so Carl stay with you going back to Tuesday's encounter there was a lot of controversy regarding our opening goal controversy that thankfully went our way so David Moyes West Ham manager took a lot of umbrage with the uh, the fact that it should have been in his view a handball ruled out so by the letter of the law does he have quite a case well, I find this one strange because, you know, it, was it obvious that did it hit Sanchez's arm? I mean, I've not seen a replay yet where you can clearly tell if it does strike his arm or not. You know, it's one of those that's very close, isn't it? Um, was it the City game at City this season? We kind of got the rub of the green on that one, didn't we? When, you know, their third goal and winner was ruled out through VAR because it hit uh, Otamendi's hand in the box. Um, but that one was a bit more obvious. This one, I think, was really tight to know whether it touched him or not. Um, obviously, if it did hit his hand, then, yeah, you could sit there and say, well, VAR should be ruling it out. But, again, for me, those are not the sort of decisions we want to see VAR being used for because it's so, you know, you're talking the finest millimetres of did it touch his hand, didn't it? Unless you had something like Schnicko in or Hotspot, where you can then get a picture that actually tells you, oh, yeah, there's a mark on his arm, so it did it. it. Um, I think that's too tight to call. But, you know, David Moyes has got nothing to moan about, is he? Because his side was so lacklustre and offered nothing that maybe if they put a bit more effort in and a bit more ability going forward, they wouldn't have had to worry about that. Well, that's right. We never looked like losing the game. It was more a case of could we break them down? And James, in terms of the first half, we talk about fine margins. It went against us just for the interval. But I think, you know, with VAR being as it is and the rules in place, there's not a little, well, there's not really a lot we can say about that, is there? No, I think I'm, I'm absolutely with Carl on, on, on the VAR thing. Um, I think you've got to pick and choose your moments when to use it. And, and you know, if we're talking about the Tottenham goal, then does, if, they, if they were going to go to VAR and, and try and rule that out, then it would have taken them, uh, another five minutes to, to to decide whether it touched his hand or not, and and it would have killed it, it even more. So, I think if if you're asking by the letter of the law, should should the should the goal have been disallowed, then then I guess the answer is yes. But um, that's not how we want to see this this kind of new technology used. And I think you'd have plenty of West Ham fans arguing that the that 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 they wouldn't have wanted to see that goal ruled out either, um, especially as they would have lost the game anyway. Thankfully, Holly, our second had little doubt about it. And although it was pleasing to see Harry, Harry Kane score, more importantly, a Harry Kane goal with a burst of pace is all the more pleasing. And goals like that and sights like that will just quell any doubts regarding fitness and potential decline. Yeah, I mean, I think we've also got to remember that he was out injured for a very long time. So yeah. not only has he had to go over this whole lockdown business with everyone else, he's also had to rehabilitate, rehabilitate himself in a sense. So, yeah, I think it was really nice to see him with that burst of pace 
driving through the middle after a lovely ball from Sonny and then being able to slot it home. I mean, you can see how exhausted he was afterwards. And I think that's another fact that we need to point on, that whether he's not 100% or not, he always gives his all and he, he got the reward that game. So, Carl, if we talk about fitness, another player who comes into this topic is Tangui Indumbele. So he's once again been in the spotlight and you get the feeling that the longer he doesn't feature in this restart phase, the louder any talk of an exit will be over the course of this summer. Oh, 100%. I mean, you know, your United game, you might have sat there and thought, OK, you know, Jose is going to kind of ease him back in. Um, but again, you know, the fact that he didn't even come on in that game, you were kind of going, hmm you know, unusual that, you know, you don't even bring him on with 20 minutes to go or something when it was clear we were f- were flagging. Um, but for me, the game that really speaks the louder one is that West Ham game, because to me, I was expecting him to start in that match um, and play a big part because, again, it's not a team we were fearing. So, you know, you weren't sitting there suddenly thinking, no, I need more, you know, more defensive minded players. You could have allowed him to go and, and play the game he wanted to play. Um, and again, the fact that he wasn't even brought on as a sub at some point in that game, I just get the impression that Jose's not a fan. Um, there's something gone on there. Uh, and, I, and I think I said this to you, Dan, I actually now get the impression, I think when, when you're looking at funds being tight and not much money, I can actually see the club thinking maybe that's cash in on this guy. Get him, get rid of him quickly. But, you know, let's use him to get some funds in the summer to go out and buy the couple of players maybe that Jose thinks are key um, to, to try and push on. Um, and I I've actually think we're probably, we won't see much of him um, after this season because I think the club it looks like he's not going to get games um, he can't be happy about not even coming on in any of them games so I, I think we'll see a parting of ways this summer And James on that point it seems as if the talk about a departure has got louder in this last week The Athletic have intimated that the player and the manager that being Mourinho of course have had a falling out so how much credence should we give to that with that said if we do Will we now see the mother of all transfer busts on our hands? And could we potentially see another Salah de Bruyne kind of scenario where someone in a sort of bracket of great potential goes off somewhere else and then comes back excellent or to another club arrival, shall we say, in three, four years' time? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, I, I, I don't know how much I believe um, that there's been a, a bust up as such. Um, I think it, it, Mourinho is probably an easy target for, for headlines like that because of what happened with Pogba. Uh, and he, you know, he has got history with with leaving players out in the cold. Um, I, I I don't think it's it's quite at that level um, just yet. But we're we're probably starting to get towards the time where there is going to be a bust up just because uh, Endombele doesn't doesn't really know what it is he, he has to do. Um, it, he, you know, everything in the press conferences has all been positive. It's all been saying, uh, you know, he's, he's he's fit and he's ready to go. Um, even before the West Ham game, um, and I, I absolutely agree with Carl. I, I was expecting him to to play a big role in in that West Ham game, even if it was off the bench. Um, but I think I think it was Holly that, that I saw you tweet earlier. That, you know, I'm I'm starting to think that he's actually not going to start a game now. Um, and I know it's a, it's a bit drastic having having only been back for two games, but I'm you know I'm starting to get the feeling that he's he's actually not part of uh, Mourinho's plans and. And that could be um, that could be a real a real kick in the teeth for us because I think he's going to be a great player. 
Um, you're, you're absolutely right that if, if he did go somewhere else and if he was given the minutes and he was given the chance, um, he's got every every chance and more chance than most of, of becoming a really great player because we've seen glimpses um, in a Tottenham shirt. We saw him last last season, how, how good he was. You know, everyone in Europe wanted this player. So I, I, it's really confusing for us as fans. I think we're the ones who are being left out in the cold, really, because we don't really understand why our £60 million superstar isn't getting a sniff in the team when... When you know, especially in the West Ham game, when we're two 0 up and, and cruising, and you know, it's not even it's, it's it's not even that we're just giving him a, a couple of minutes for the sake of it. I genuinely think that there there was a point in even the United game and the West Ham game where we were missing someone in that midfield who who was good on the ball and who could who could pick a pass going forward. Uh, and and that's the one thing that, that that we've been excited for 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 Bele is, is is in picking the mid ball up in midfield. Uh, and and being able to to pick a, a killer pass, and I think that's what we've been missing. Um, so you know, it, it, there's no argument for for him not being necessary or not needed because he'd fit right in, especially last 20 minutes against West Ham. Um, so it, it is a little bit worrying that that it's it's kind of coming to be that uh, that he's not really part of the plans at all. And and if it is between Mourinho or Endombele, then then there's only going to be one uh, not there's only going to be one winner there. Um, you know, we might be jumping the gun. He might he might play uh, an important role against uh, Sheffield United and, and for the rest of the season. It, but at the moment, it looks like uh, there's not a lot of hope for him at the moment. So, Holly, a slim-looking Ndumbele got everyone quite excited during the lockdown. You're thinking, yeah, we've got a player, you know, a better model than what we had a few months ago. That lack of action has now created disappointment for everyone, really. Him, us. So what do you put that lack of minutes down to? Is it a lack of fitness, a lack of trust, a falling out, as mentioned, perhaps even tactical? What's your take? I'm just really baffled because if you look at the videos from him in training, like he slimmed down an awful lot. I think it was the other day when Tottenham posted something and he just turned so magnificently and like passed the ball with precision. Like you're just really confused. You're like, the man looks like he's ready to play. So why isn't he? It's rather strange. Maybe it's the same kind of feeling with um, this whole Toby thing as well. Maybe Jose's like, he's ready. I just haven't got the right combo yet. Like him trying Delhi um, on the pitch again with Lacelso behind him and Sissoko. Maybe he's trying that partnership out. I don't know. Maybe against Sheffield, we'll see a Lacelso and Tangai combo. I don't really know. I think, like we said, it was strange that he didn't even get a sniff in the game against West Ham. That would have been the prime time to do it. We totally controlled the game. You would have thought, right, let's give him 15 minutes, see how he does. So... Only time will tell, I guess. Yeah, Thursday would be the perfect answer, really. You know, we could sort of have all this conjecture. He could play on Thursday and we sort of start again. But if he doesn't play, that is going to get much, much louder and those theories will get even more prevalent. Right, so let's sort of park that for a bit because I want to talk about something else. Now, if you've been living under a rock this past week, you'll be aware that Liverpool have won the Premier League, which you think, OK, well, what's that got to do with us? Not a lot, but it has created quite a lot of debate over Twitter over this past sort of few days. So a lot of it's come down to the what-ifs and the whys. So I want to sort of try and talk about Tottenham as a, a club, their stature, where they're going, where they should have gone, why they haven't gone in certain directions. So there's quite a few sort of questions. So sort of settle down because we have a bit of a debate. So Carl, in the space of three years, we've beaten Liverpool 4-1 at Wembley. We've lost to them in the Champions League final. And we've now seen them lift England's biggest domestic prize. If the feeling isn't that shouldn't have been us, I guess the feeling is... What did they do that we didn't? 
I think if we look at the main thing probably that Liverpool have gone and done, which we probably haven't, um, and I think, you know, we have to, you know, the, the easiest thing that we can sometimes say is, oh, you know, Potch wasn't backed at key points. And I think you could sit and say, yes, that, that is true to an element. But at the same time, with the club, we did spend money. I think the problem was, and the main two differences between the pair of us, was Liverpool went out and brought established players when they brought them in, you know, players who basically were going to come in and, and be great hitting the ground running. You know, Mane was a great signing, you know, Premier League experience, was looking good at Southampton. And, you know, as soon as he starts, he, he, he's the real deal straight away. Van Dijk, the real deal straight away. You know, the difference I think with us is Spurs are buying players. You're sitting there going, he's 19, 20. In a couple of seasons' time, this guy, if he develops the way we're hoping he's going to develop, he'll be really great. The problem with that is, is you probably won't get in Liverpool's position following that model because, you know, you have got those couple of seasons before those players hit their prime, get used to the league, and suddenly, you know, you've then got the sort of player that you're really hoping you've got on your hands. Um, but by that time, You've probably lost a couple of key players that you needed to be there at that same time with that player in now in his prime. Um, you know, a couple of players have got older and they've dropped off the cliff, as we've seen with people like Rose and, you know, Yan and people like that. And I think that's been the real key difference. You know, when Liverpool, you know, they sold Coutinho and got that money and everyone thought, wow, are you letting that main, you know, you're letting a player of that good go. But they went out and spent it. But they didn't go out and buy raw products. They went out and got, we. this player will improve our team now, not in two years' time. And I think that's where you're seeing the real difference in the two clubs. Uh, and that's why we're seeing that they've gone on now to win what they have, because their players are in their prime. They're doing the business now where we're still hoping that the likes of Bergwijn, um, you know, the players we're signing are going to come good. And and that, for me, is the real difference of where we are. I don't think it's spending because we spent big money. You know, Sessignon, 30 million. Tangai, 65 million. Um, you know, Lacelso's not, you know, 30 million. The money's been spent. Bergwijn, you know, that sort of money's... But we've spent the money, but those players we've brought, we're now hoping they're going to come good in a season or so. And unfortunately, that, that can hold you back as a club. James, this sense of sliding doors in the past week has once again reignited the Enoch debate for better or worse. So in some quarters, you've got fans sort of saying, what are you moaning for? Because as a club, we've got a great history of winning trophies. You know, you can go back decades, centuries almost. And we've got cups, European trophies, the lot, you know, loads to sort of dissect. However, we have been almost as a club guilty of resting on our laurels. Now, that's not been on purpose, but a trophy hall of the last two decades is two league cups. So, you know, where does the club sort of go from here and how does it change its last sort of decade or two? Well, um, first of all, I'll, I'll say that the difference between uh, Enoch, well, the thing about Enoch is I think they've, I, I would say that they've run the club very well as, as a business. You know, since, since they took over, we've never had any, any financial problems, you know, from nearly going bust in the 80s to... to to being where we are now, you know, with the new stadium, we've, we've never had pro problems in terms of being a business. We have had problems in terms of being a football club, though, because the difference, difference between what Liverpool have done 
And what we've done is, is they've bought players to, to push them on and they've bought players to fit a system. Uh, you know, the, they, they identified the, the gaps in their team that, that were stopping them from progressing. Uh, and they bought the players that, that the manager wanted. Um, you know, it, it all comes down to buying the players that, that, that you want to fit that system. And, uh, and we know for a fact that Pochettino, whenever he was asked who he wanted, he was all, you know, there was always a bargain, uh, you know, there's a bargain copy instead. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's, it's not the same, you know, if you, you know, what was the, the summer we wanted uh, Morgan Schneiderlin and, and Masaccio when we got Fazio and Stambouli and both were gone within two years of, of, of being at the club. So, you know, it's, it's a difficult one. You, you can mention trophies and uh, the trophy debate is a, it's an easy, it's an easy stick to poke Tottenham with really. Um, I, I think we've had some great moments at this club in in the last five ten years that other clubs haven't had that that we we take for granted massively. Um, I, I, I've had some incredible moments supporting this this football team and especially you know European nights that that I'll never forget. And you know to to, to swap that for uh, a, a, you know a Wigan League Cup final win, FA Cup final win. I, I don't think I ever would because it's it's been incredible support in Tottenham. Um, you know, it's the, the trophy debate is just an easy thing to to dig at us because yeah, we we haven't got anything to show on paper for it. But me as a supporter, I, I've I've enjoyed supporting Tottenham and and, and it's been a, a great journey. But what we need to 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 become like Liverpool is, is some owners and some backroom staff that 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 translate how good we are, how well we are run as a business onto, onto the pitch. And, and, you know, that, that is identifying targets that are going to make us a better, better side. Uh, as Carl says, establish players who are going to go straight into the team and make a difference rather than trying to get that Deli Alley or trying to get that, you know, that, that bargain buyer that is, is going to flip a good profit in, in a few years time. Um, you know, Liverpool did well with you know they did well with the signings they bought, but I think also they they did have a have quite a stroke of luck. You know they've, they've got players like Alexander Arnold who, who came through the ranks, and and you know he's probably one of the best right backs in the world right now, one of the best young players in the world. They've, they're, you know when no, when, he, when they signed Andy Robertson, no one knew how just how good he was going to be. The same as as Mane and the same as Salah. Really, we we never knew that they were going to reach the heights that they have reached. So. It's it's a difficult one in that respect, but buying players like Allison uh, uh, and Van Dyke and Fabinho, players that that have really made a difference at the club, that's what we we need someone in that backroom staff who is going to make a difference uh, and who is going to you know identify these targets and get us the targets that the manager wants. And if if that means it being Mourinho and, and the, the players that Mourinho wants, and so be it. But that also then raises a question that. If we are going to back Mourinho with funds, then why did we sack Pochettino, and and why not give Pochettino the chance to to identify his targets and spend the money there? It's a very good point, Holly. In terms of success, us as fans of Spurs and any fan of any club for that matter, they want days and days out that they can sort of celebrate, be it league wins, cup wins, what have you. For you, are the top fours and the nearlies are they enough to sort of soak up two league cups in twenty one years? Do those Champions League nights give you enough of a pass for the lack of trophies? Personally, for me, I think I've only seen us lift that League Cup in 2008. So for me, I want to see more trophies. I want to 
be one of those people that can say, actually, I've witnessed Tottenham raise one more than one trophy. So, yes, OK, don't get me wrong. Like, for example, the Champions League run that we've, we've just that we had last year, it was it was amazing. I wouldn't I wouldn't ever change the way that we managed to come back against City and against Ajax. Yeah, we had a bit of luck here and there, but I would never trade that in. But then I think to myself, we're so close and maybe bringing in those top players, those top names. Okay, like we said against about Liverpool, they had those youngsters in that actually proved themselves. But they did go out and buy established players. Maybe that's all we need to do to just get over the line. So for me, I'm getting a bit irritated because we're, we're classed as a team that's nearly done it. That's nearly done this. That's nearly won that. I want to be the team that's actually done it for once. Yeah, if we sort of extend that theory to a player, let's take Harry Kane. If us as fans, we want to celebrate winning stuff, I bet he's exactly the same. Well, I know he's exactly the same because if he looks back in his career, say, 15 years from now, he's, what, 40-odd, and his kids say, Dad, what did you win as a footballer? And he goes, oh, I've got some golden boots in the garage, but I haven't actually got anything to lift. For his talents, that would be absolutely criminal. So I think, really, it's all about actually having something to tangibly hold on and say, I've won that. Yes, you can say, I've played in the best competitions, but... It's not about just being nearly all the time. You want to get to that promised land at least once. And with that in mind, Cole, how much weight should us as a fan base put on the success of, a, of the past? Because yes, like I say, we've won a double in 61, plenty of European success, so many FA Cups, but fans also want to live in the now and our current generation hasn't really got anything to celebrate. So pointing back to the glory days doesn't really cut it, does it? No, I think, you know, it, it's great to have that kind of illustrious past, isn't it? And and those great memories you can look back on. But, you know, as you say, it, it's all about tomorrow now, isn't it? And and the here and now and, and what's going to happen tomorrow. Um, you know, you know, we all love looking back at, you know, those footages, you know, 81, 82, 84, you know, 91. It's, it's great to look back on. But we want to then be sitting there going, we should be as a club, you know, and established ourselves the way we did over the last few seasons. We should be sitting there saying, we should have at least won a league cup by now or a couple of league cups or won an FA cup. Um, we probably, you know, as we're saying, if we probably were too established the players, players away from winning a league title, um, and now we're probably further away than we, you know, we, we've ever been. If you look at, you know, the, the form of Liverpool and City, um, where we are in terms of our squad now, you know, we may not see ourselves get back there for a few more years again. And again, with this kind of policy and transfer ways that the club's being run, you know, will we do the same thing if we did get back there again? Will it be, well, actually, you're now again, you're two players away. Oh, no, you know, that that's bringing the potential. Um, and you're never going to quite get to that promised land. Um, and it might be that that won't happen under Enoch um, because they, they clearly do have a model of how they're going to run the club uh, and they're not going to go out and buy, you know, players of a certain age um, because there's no possible or potential resale value. Um, and it might just be that will hold us back while they're in charge. Um but you do have to start looking at it. And for me, I do have to think, you know, if you're looking at them, you know, if one says Daniel Levy's a great businessman, I would kind of question that knowing that, yes, you know, the stadium's great and everything, but a great businessman would have sensed, you know, a couple of seasons ago, I'm possibly a little bit of money here, maybe 80, you know, 85 mil away from putting this club on a different planet. 
you know, and all of a sudden the TV money, the, um, you know, fan, the worldwide recognition from fans that you get and the income that that brings you. I mean, you know, we've got Sony now who brings us in so much revenue on match days, you know, when, when crowds were there. But, you know, multiply that if you're winning titles and, and trophies because anyone who's suddenly becoming new to the game and wants to watch the Premier League, they're going to support the team that are winning. And if that's you, that's a new fan base you're creating. And, and I think a real good businessman would have sensed that at that point and thought there's there's money to be had here um, just to invest a small bit. Um, but yeah, as you say, you know, I don't think we're going to see that under this leadership. That's not to say they haven't done good stuff because they certainly have done some good stuff. You know, we can't say the good stuff isn't because of them because because it is. You know, they brought Poch in. You know, whether they got lucky or not, they brought the guy in. They signed the likes of Dyer at one point, you know, Dembele. So, you know, they have to take some credit, but I think they have to take the majority of the blame for kind of holding it back and not pushing the club on. Um, and like, as you say, we, we are left looking back at those glory days, but it, it's not where we want to be and it's not where top players will want to be. Now, James, if we compare ourselves to Newcastle, for them, there's always a notion that they deserve to win a trophy. A big club that hasn't won anything majorly in 50 years. Now, no club deserves to win a trophy. That's a bit of a fallacy. That said, if Tottenham aren't careful, they're going to tread a very similar path. So how do we get out of this sort of, oh, we deserve to win things, but we never do. We're the bridesmaid, but not the bride. You know, Cam, you see us going 30 years, 50 years, dare I say, without a trophy. Yeah, it's an interesting one because, you know, at, at, at current, you, you, the way it currently is, you can't question the fact that we are a big club. We, we consistently make the Champions League and we're consistently at the top end of the table. Um, but if you know, if we do get that that far down the line, that that we haven't won anything in in thirty odd years, you are going to start questioning. And what? Why are you a big club? And there's there's quite a lot of t- these teams in England that have that kind of big club complex. That you know, you you Aston Villas, your Leeds United, that that think well, we're a big club because we've got a big fan base, or we've got you know, we've got a big stadium, or we were good. 50 years ago and and it, it's difficult to, to 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 you know you don't want to think that we're ever going to slip into that but you know one day we might uh and i think you know it's been covered we 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 we, we kind of missed our big opportunity to kick on um two seasons ago you know when when we were when we were flying high and a little bit of money in, into that 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 team that was that was so great would have would have kicked us on to the next level, and you know we're not doubting that that players get old and 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 things change because you know Vertonghen and Toby they're, they're not the same players that they were in that season. Um, Dembele, as as much as we everyone champions him, he he was coming to the end of his career, and and at the time cashing in getting ten million for a player who who was four months away from his contract expiring was was probably good you know good money, but. Yeah, it's it's all hindsight. Um, but you know, if we'd have just, just as you say, as Carl says, put that little bit more investment in, then then we, you know, we'd be absolutely reaping the rewards now. And and I think that's that's what we need to do now. We need to we need to get up back up to that that level to start with. And then when we when we get back up to that level, we we need to uh, we need to kick on. Um, it's it'll be interesting to see what happens in the summer in the transfer window. 
um, because you know we, we had so so long without spending any real money uh, up until last last transfer window where we we did spend money. So it, it, it'll be interesting to see whether you know that was our one off. That was our there you go. Have a bit of money and see what you can do, or whether that was the precedent. And and now we're going to continue to get funds year you know, year on year, um, or or if that was it. You know that was our pot completely spent up. Um, because there's still massive, massive holes in this squad um, that, that need addressing. Holly, if Enoch are painted as, as the bad boys in all of this and the failure to win a trophy in the five years that, well, certainly the last five years, that's been under the microscope the most. However, at what point do you have to ask questions of the player and Pochettino and perhaps their failure to get the job done? Because yes, we talk about this jigsaw missing a piece or two, but that said, it was a very good jigsaw at the same time. We had a good jigsaw and maybe the tactics or the puzzler himself wasn't necessarily not good enough but didn't switch up his tactics now and again and maybe that's why we fell short but yeah it's it's a tough one to call you can't really say which way it was just looking at it from a top side view I think like I said maybe Poch wasn't the right man towards the end maybe his frustration in not getting who he wanted or not adding those few extra players in really started to get to him Cole, now this is probably the biggest or the most pertinent question that I've probably asked on a podcast for a while. And it is this. Are Tottenham genuinely, and I mean this, be honest, are we a big club? Now, have we managed to punch above our weight in these last few years due to a combination of Potch doing miracles, decent-ish recruitment, financial planning has been good, whether you like it or not. Have all those factors combined to inflate our worth? What is our genuine natural level as a club? No, I think we are a big club now, you know, you know, before Poch came in, we were Champions League, weren't we, you know, finishing within the top four, top five or six most seasons. So I, I do think we are a big club. There's no doubt about it. And we have now got all the facilities that should make us an even more glamorous and, and you know, a club that can attract players. I think the problem is what I'd say is Tottenham Hotspur are a big club. Unfortunately, the board haven't acted like we're a big club um, and we haven't taken advantage, in my opinion, of our power when we've had it. You know, when we got Champions League football at that point, we didn't then kind of, as a big club would, go out and get players from smaller sides and go, listen, we're the big club now. You've your bloke here who's the best player in your team. We're having him now because we can. I think that's where we've kind of been... You know, you could accuse us actually of acting like a small club, you know, because, oh, well, let's bring in a couple of free transfers in January. Um, oh, yeah, in the summer that, well, yeah, there is an established player there, but let's go for this 21 year old from this unknown league cheaper. You know, we might be able to sell him on in the future. You know, that's a model that, you know, Southampton were trying to follow because it was kind of trying to help them stay afloat getting those big transfer fees. And like I say, if you're a big club, you don't act like that. If you're a big club, you go and buy the best players who hit the ground running and push you on to an even even bigger level. So I think we are a big club. And, you know, we're not, you know, I would say we're further away now than we were at that, you know, a couple of seasons ago. And I think we could have pushed ourselves on to a completely different, you know, level at that point. I just think now we're probably, you know, you're looking at maybe five or six players away from getting back to that 
where you can then challenge Liverpool and City. And, and I, when I say challenge, I don't mean suddenly, you know, you're being 15 points away from them by the end of the season. I'm talking about being free or, you know, two or three or four points away from them where you've really given them a run till the very finish. You're in Champions League semi-finals on a regular basis. You're in League Cups and winning League Cups. You're winning FA Cups. That's where you get to being, you know, really known worldwide as a big club. Um, but I think we can get there. We, we've just got to change that mentality slightly. But I think we are a big club and, and we, we can say that. I don't think that's, you know, over, you know, over-egging our e- ego as fans. We are a big club. We just don't act like one in certain ways. Yeah, I think that's a very fair um, appraisal of that. I think that's absolutely perfect, to be honest. Like, the way that you've envisaged the club as itself, big, but unfortunately the boardroom dealings, not so big. And football is so much about teams needing to take opportunity at the right time. Because if they don't, it always is what ifs. You look at Newcastle in the mid-90s with Kevin Keegan. You look at maybe Leeds under David O'Leary when they were pushing for the promised land. They didn't get it. They fell away really quickly. So you do worry about Tottenham as if, as if to say, have we had our moment? That said, James, a lot of this argument about trophies lacks context. There's one infograph or one image going around at the moment about trophies won since Enix' takeover in the big six. Admittedly, one is not a good return at all. You know, far from it. There are a number of caveats, though, and they are, for example, Tottenham, when they were taken over, were a mid-table team for all intents and purposes. City and Chelsea, in that era, became massively financially doped. So, really, it's not as black and white as you first think. Absolutely, mate. Yeah, as you were asking the question, I was thinking exactly the same thing. You know, it, it, we started we started from yeah from a mid-table team and became what is now the the, the big six. You know. Um, for for as long as I can remember, when uh, bearing in mind I'm a, a bit younger than you guys, but uh, for, for as long as I remember, it was always the you know the big four, uh, and and we were never a part of that. And we then we started to knock on its door, uh, and and now we're now it's the big six all of a sudden, and we're and we're you know it, definitely part of it. Um, the the money that that Man City and Chelsea have had uh, in that time is absolutely phenomenal you know city city especially they've they have had any player that they've wanted for the for the last 5 years chelsea chelsea the, you know their team was nothing special until abramovich came in and 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 abramovich has you know pumped this 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 team full of full of money and and and, and made it into a one you know a powerhouse so I, i'm i'm always on the side of the trophy debate that that another League Cup or another FA Cup is is never going to change anything for me. It's it's just not. It'll be a great day, absolutely. But I I I wouldn't swap you know I wouldn't swap that for Champions League football or Europa League football. I, I just wouldn't. But you know, it, it, as you say, it is in it's in a football fan's blood to look for something to to poke fun at in, in another team. We, you know, we do it to, to any other club we can find. We, we, we want to poke as much fun as we possibly can, and, and unfortunately, that is the, the the easy easy target with Tottenham is is the the trophy debate. Um, so we we're going to keep on getting that stick, and and uh, until we do win a trophy, and then when we do win a trophy, it'll be, oh well, it's only a League Cup. You know, it, they'll they'll find something else to poke fun at. So and that is just in in the nature of a football fan. Um, so you know. To me, I'd, I'd I'd never take that to heart 
uh, as such because because we have come further than any other club in the Premier League um, in that time frame without the having the the, the funds of an entire nation uh, behind you. Holly, when we talk of context, much has been made of our top four constant qualification, but then you compare us to Leicester. You know they hit the ultimate prize, but have had much more boom and bust. So there's probably a case for both. But at the end of the day, if you ask a Leicester fan, I don't think they'd swap winning the title and flirting with relegation sort of in different seasons than what we have. Because yes, we sort of are always in that top four mix and it's great. But again, we don't reach the promised land. So if you're in that decision, what do you go for, Holly? Oh, I agree. Like, I'd 100% take a Premier League trophy. Like, OK, yes, we look at Leicester now. They're, they're not where they were, which is which is obvious with things. But... You've also got to think, I know we've hit on this this point already, but for those players, if they're not, OK, they're getting Champions League football. This year, we might be lucky if we um, get it. If we don't, we get Europa football, which is brilliant. But you've also got to think, like those players want to have something that they'll remember. And getting top four, having an amazing Champions League run is, is never going to really justify it for them. I was thinking the other day, I was thinking, what have I got to look back at in a, in a couple of years' time? No one will necessarily remember when Tottenham managed to beat Ajax in the final minutes. They'll remember the final that we lost. This is what I'm trying to say. Like, yes, I, I can't deny we've come on leaps and bounds from where we were. But apart from that, we haven't really got anything to show for apart from an amazing stadium and an amazing training ground. But then you've also got to think, well, there's no excuse. We've got, we've got the facilities, so why can't we push on and get that trophy? Yeah, when you look at the history books, they don't really log memories and moments. It's all about the winners. And I think, you know, Tottenham are falling short more often than not. And I think, yes, we'll have our, our golden moments. But when you sort of dust off your annals of sort of 10, 15 years down the line, you think, well, actually, what did we win at the moment? It's a big fat zero. And that said, Cole, if you can remember our own signing doors moment, which I think not many people use this as a sort of basis to recollect on. It's 2012. We go to the Etihad. We were 2-0 down. We get it back to 2 all. And then Bale and Defoe failed to score between them with an open goal situation. If we go ahead in that game, we win it because it's the last minute. City don't have their Aguero moment at the end of the season. Could Spurs have had, actually had a genuine title change that season? Or does it come back to the Enoch Penny pinching because we got Nelson and Zahar instead? Yeah, I, you know, I think you just go, we go back to what we've said earlier, isn't it? That, you know, unfortunately just when we get ourselves in a real prime position and that, and that season was one of them again wasn't it you know come january when the window opens we you know we are within a shout you know three points or so and looking really good um you know enic doing what they do they wait the 30 days until the very last day of the transfer window again by that point you may have played three or four games and you might have dropped points in those games because tired legs or you know not having players to bring in so you're losing out on points there then all of a sudden they go for the cheap option to bring the players in rather than bring in someone who can you know motivate others you know maybe bring in a player who's going to push another one for his shirt and and lift his spirits and get him going again you know reinvigor him and again, you just, you know, it, uh, say it's always that one step forward, free back, you know, and mate, that that possibly could be the problem we're always going to have while Enoch are in charge. They've got a model where they want to see money is their real main aim. 
uh, not winning trophies. So they maybe never be prepared to actually put the money on the table to really get you there. Like that January, if you'd maybe gone and spent 50 million and brought two players in who could have come into that squad and straight away the very next game, you know, they have an impact. They score you a last minute winner and then suddenly you're a point behind City at that point. I think it will be the same problems, I think, that hold us back. Um, and it's the same thing. It's just, it's the one thing that divides the fan base, I think, isn't it? Absolutely. So, James, with all this discussed and Tottenham missing out on their slime doors moments and all the nearlies and being the bridesmaid and the, rather than the bride and all that, we have got Jose Mourinho at the controls. So do you feel we have actually one of the best people installed to finally deliver something? Yeah, I think that's going to be one of his main aims is is just trying to get that monkey off the back, really trying to trying to get that trophy through the through the door so that people can people can uh, can stop poking fun at us for it. Um, you know, I, I think in Mourinho's head, I'm still not completely 100% convinced uh, with Mourinho. I'll just say that first, but I think in Mourinho's head, if he can come here and deliver a, a deliver a trophy you know whatever trophy that may be um league cup europa league whatever um he'll see it as a success um and then and then that's that's another thing for for his personal trophy cabinet that that's the way i'm i'm kind of looking at it from the Mourinho perspective but um i i personally i i i'd have taken the 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 Poch years um in the champions league but but maybe not doing so well in, in the cups and stuff um, over what we've got at the moment, maybe with the Europa League run. But that's just my personal preference. I don't think I, I don't hold tro- trophies to, to in that high regard. Um, I, I disagree with what Holly said earlier about the Ajax game. I think I think that will be a moment that we're still looking at in in twenty years time. Whereas a Man City supporter in twenty years time probably won't look back at, at their you know their League Cup final wins because they they just weren't as special. Um, that said, though, you are right. Mourinho is the man. If if we if we want to get a trophy through the door, just just to get the monkey off the back, then then he is the man for it. And 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 I think he he's got the motivation for it because it'll be a personal accolade for him rather than um, rather than him trying to get Tottenham Hotspur a trophy. Okay, that ends that part of the debate. Let's look ahead now to Thursday. Sheffield United, Bramall Lane. Holly, you've been given the tactics board first up. Are you leaving the centre-back pairing as it is? Or is this an opportunity to bring Toby back into the fold? I mean, I'd personally like to see Toby. But thinking on this preference of, okay, we've kept a clean sheet. Okay, yes, we didn't have much to deal with against West Ham. Against that Man United game, apart from that one silly error that uh, Dyer did, and maybe he was a little bit, criticised on that too heavily um, I think I'd just keep it the same just because it, it's working and I think in order for it to get better they do just need to carry on working together like we said Sheffield hopefully won't have too much to offer going forward as well I mean they do like to try and park their bus as well so I think going forward they're not really going to be much of a threat like West Ham wasn't really much of a threat as well so I'd like to keep it the same just give them a few more minutes under their belts and working together really Yep, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So, Carl, Stephen Bergvine dropped to the bench last Tuesday. Do you think he'll be trusted with a start on Thursday? Yeah, I'd like to see him. Um, 
you know, to be honest, we know a lot more about Mora, don't we? Um, and, and for me, I, I think Mora is just way too inconsistent. So given the start Bergvine's had, I would prefer to see him start over Mora. You know, he's got that pace that obviously causes people problems. I think his confidence is high because of the kind of form he's shown since coming in and the goals he's got. So for me... You know, I wouldn't be messing about with this team. You know, for me, it's you pick the best 11 that you can get on the pitch. And for me, I have him as part of our best 11 right now. And James, Deli Ali, he played 59 minutes last week against West Ham. Not really a barn burner of a performance. Do you put that down to a lack of sharpness? And if so, are you giving another chance on Thursday at Bramwell Lane? I, I think, yeah. Um, I, I was actually quite... I was quite happy with Deli Ali's uh, performance. I saw quite a lot of criticism for it, but I, I thought there were just glimpses um, of the old Deli there when he was, especially when he was uh, running beyond Harry Kane. And I think in this system, um, when we're defending and when we're attacking, we're obviously in two different shapes. But th- you can really see that it's kind of between Ali and Kane. They are they're the two front men again with with two wide men. So I think that that's probably going to get the best out of Deli Ali. Um, and the reason he wasn't he did he didn't complete the match was because um, he, he wasn't very sharp and he's he's gone a long time without uh, a, a game himself. So I think it'll be the same. Um, I can see Ali having another hour, maybe seventy minutes, and then Lamella coming on to to uh, to inject a little bit of energy into this into the team um, in, in the second half. And Holly, if we go back to our Tangwe topic from earlier, are you unleashing Ndombele two point on the blades later in the week? I, t- I really don't think he. He'd start. I think I'd like to see him definitely come on. I don't think he'll start, but just to come on to get minutes under his belt. We've all seen that his fitness has improved. We all know what he's about. We just want to see him for longer. So hopefully our prayers are answered and he does come on. Yeah, I mean, it'd be nice to see minutes, but then you think to yourself, if he is fit and trim, does he really need five or ten? Just get him on, get him starting. But, you know, what do we know what's going on in the background? Right, so with that in mind, predictions. Holly, I'll throw it back to you. What's going to be the score on Thursday evening? Well, like I said, I think they're definitely going to park the bus. They won't have a lot going forward. I like to think it's another clean sheet. Maybe looking at maybe 2-1. It'd definitely be quite cagey, I think, as well. I mean, as I said, we're going to try and uh, hit them on the break. We're going to sit back for a little bit, I think, as well, just to stop their their attack if they do manage to have one. So I think it'll be 2-1. I think, like I said, it'd be a long old game, but I think we'll get the three points in the bag. OK, James? I'll ask you, but I'll also ask this question. If we don't win, is it Bramalane or bust when you consider how good Wolves and Man United have been in their sort of constant form at the moment? So is it really a must-win game? And if we don't, is it season over? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it is. It, it's not season over because I think, obviously, we're still going to try and finish as high as possible. But um, it's it's just goodbye to the Champions League place um, if, if we don't win uh, at Sheffield. You might think that's a bit drastic, but, oh, no. you know... This this is the kind of you know the game that we should 100% be winning. Um, it, it it puts them out of completely out of the picture if we beat them. Um, and the way that they're playing, I think it, it would absolutely kill our momentum and and it'd be a real toxic atmosphere if if we don't win because because you know they've been so so bad since the restart again. Um, that said, I, I think it, I think we'll we'll be fine. I think it'll be quite similar to the West Ham game. Um, I'm going to go 2-0 Tottenham. 2-0. And Cole, Sheffield United, we talk about second season syndrome. Now, obviously, the season hasn't ended, but has that pause 
sort of activate that same kind of illness, if you will, because Sheffield United have been rubbish since the restart. It's almost as if it's almost as if second season syndrome started a little bit too early. Yeah, I think that you know, I think they they really had momentum going for them, didn't they, before before this break, and and I do think that has kind of just killed them dead almost. Um, and they're obviously looking like it's taking them a while to get that going again, you know, find their feet and get back into that rhythm. Um, and, and that is unfortunate for them because, you know, to be honest, if there was one team you'd want to see sneak into the top four, potentially the way it was looking, I would have loved to have seen a team like Sheffield United come up and suddenly get that position given the way they were playing. But I do just think this restart has kind of put that train, you know, taking it right off the tracks. Um, but still, for me, I'm going to go for a 1-1. I, I just think we're going to um, possibly have one of those games again where you're sitting there thinking, well, there's a team here that are for the taking, but it, it's Dr. Tottenham. Uh, we'll help get you back on track. <laughs> and, although we, and although we won't lose, I think we'll give them a point they probably shouldn't be getting. I think, personally, we'll edge it 1-0. I just think that cup defeat will add even more, will take even more wind out of their sails. I think that they've played now four games post-restart to our two. I think we are going to be fresher with the sort of, in theory, a bigger squad to call upon. So I think we'll have more options. It won't be pretty, but I think we'll get the job done. So hopefully it's seven from nine come Thursday night. Right, that is it. Just time to do the admin, which is as simple as thanking the guests. And it starts with Holly. Holly, an absolute pleasure as always. Yeah, thank you for having me on. Nice speaking to all you guys again. Not a problem. Hopefully you'll be back on the show soon. James, same for you, mate. Pleasure as always. Absolutely. Come on, you Spurs. Absolutely. And Cole, thanks for your time, mate. Hope you enjoyed that one. Yeah, really good. Really enjoyed that tonight, guys. And, and like as James said, you know, come on, you Spurs. Let's, let's get this going. Yes, right. It just leads me to say that my name's Dan Tracy. And as always, come on, you Spurs. For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play.